So today we're discussing the problem of ignoring our humanity, or what my guest and I have decided to call under-spiritualizing our humanity. My guest today is Laura. She's a mom of four and one on the way. She lived in a fairly remote city in East Asia for 10 years, but I am delighted to be in person. We're finally in-person friends after years of being Facebook friends. So welcome, Laura. Thanks. Glad to be here. So this whole topic, why is this a topic of interest for you? You know, I think it's because it's where I've really struggled and um, had a lot of heartache over it. And I think that, um, you know, when you ask me, like, what are you passionate about when it comes to preparing to be overseas? I just was surprised with what came out of my mouth, honestly. <laughs> I was like, wow. I didn't, I didn't really know that was in there, but um, with that, like, level of energy behind it. And, um, but I wish that someone had set me down years ago and said, honey, relax. You're not that important. I just think that would have lifted a lot of pressure. And I would hope for someone listening to this that they would like come away with like a sigh of relief and a burden lifted, realizing they don't have to be in control. They don't have to. So let's talk about what the word to spiritualize something means. So I looked it up, actually. So a definition of spiritualizing something would be to give something spiritual meaning or to understand in a spiritual sense. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about not doing that enough, right? not valuing something in a spiritual sense enough. Exactly. Um, What else are we, as we talk about this concept, do you have anything to add to that? Well, you know, when I... (laughs) When, I, when that word came to mind, it was kind of in reaction to this idea of over-spiritualizing things, which is what I found myself saying a lot. I think we over-spiritualize ministry or this or that. And I don't, and then I thought, I don't really like that because we are spiritual beings and everything's mm. spiritual. I don't think, I don't know that we can over-spiritualize. I think it's a matter of under-spiritualizing other things. And, and, and you no, know, I read your definition that you found and I thought, um, because I didn't think about the definition of it. I just said it. <laughs> well, I was trying to get but, people to... I, I didn't either, and I yeah. knew what you meant. But yeah. maybe other people... Like, what are you... Ta- is yeah. under-spiritualized even a word? I don't know. We're co- Are we coining I it? I think we're coining it. I mm, think so. Yeah. Um, we're just Shakespeare, basically. Um, yeah, so I like that definition. And I felt like that, that means a good way to define under-spiritualizing would be undervaluing... Um, Uh, maybe undermining the spiritual value and meaning of something, in this case, really the majority of human experience. Sleeping, fixing meals, washing the dishes, catching a taxi, Mm -hmm. all these normal parts that fill up many hours of our day. Everyday life. Everyday life. And and calling them less valuable. Yeah. Less important. So I was going to, I was thinking as you, as a way to further explain that concept, can you give me an example that you encountered when you were living abroad? Yeah, I think um, the first thing that came to mind is making excuses for resting or having fun or earning, trying to earn our times of rest or fun. So always hearing people feel like they had to say, well, you know, we have done something for ministry the last five weekends in a row, so this weekend we're going to take Saturday afternoon and just go have a picnic in the park. 
instead of just saying, we're going to go have a picnic in the park as a family. No so it, you had to justify it. I, yeah, I don't know that we always had to, but there was that But you trend. felt there was that trend yeah. of you heard. I think I heard that a lot, too. Yeah. Of, yeah, we've, we've, we've been busy right. with all these things, so we just need, yeah. We did all these important things, so now we can rest and do these unimportant things. Um, and I think that's where the idea of under-spiritualizing comes from, as though mm-hmm. that's not important. Why is rest, why is enjoying God's creation, why is connecting as a family not important? Why do we under-spiritualize that? What? Yeah, that that's a great question. Let's get in. We'll get into the roots of that later. Yeah. And what we think, why we do this. Um, but what do you see as the results of this approach? Like with the rest example. Well, it's a lot of pressure and a lot of guilt to be human, to not always be able to be on and to, to, there's a pressure to never make a mistake to never let up, never let down. Um, and I think nobody functions well that way. We don't. Under constant, in constant go. Yeah. Like turbo drive. Right. All the time. Right. I mean, even just drive all, all the time. Yeah, I think. Um, and, and then we see our, those daily tasks, the everyday life, as getting in the way of what is more important, and we resent the time we have to spend doing the dishes or cleaning up after the toddler or waiting for the taxi. Yes, and what does that do to us in our relationship with the other people or the the demands? It just builds that sort of get through it. Right. And that can translate in our relationships with our kids or our spouse. Yeah. We're, we're in survival mode, and it's just go through the motions, make it to the next thing. It's You don't live intentionally that way. You don't connect on a meaningful level with people that way because you're always thinking, what's the next thing on my list? Or I really should be doing X, Y, Z right now and not this. And we get frustrated with each other then when somebody else makes a mistake. We don't have grace for it because it's cost us something. It's gotten in the way of what we're trying to do that's in our minds more important than oh, wow. yeah. the everyday. That's really true. I, I had a friend that once said to me, I feel like I am meeting all the physical needs of my children, but I don't feel like I'm meeting their emotional needs yes. of connectedness. Yes, exactly. But I'm doing the things. Right. They're clean. They're fed. They're watered. Mm-hmm. They're educated. Right. And that can translate to ministry also. We can check off our to-do list, meet our goals, walk through our strategy that we planned out, and really still miss connecting with people on a deep level. I mean, what does that do when you have your goal as, I'm, I've got to see this person? I mean, it's... Well, what I think one thing I found, at least, was... If any conversation or act of service didn't lead to an explicit presentation of the gospel, it wasn't important. It didn't matter. And that turns every interaction into a project instead of just being relational, just being friends with people, just caring about them. Do you think people sense it? Oh, yeah. Don't you? I do. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. 
I actually had an experience of being on a call list once of someone, and I, I we were going to a new um, meeting, a church meeting, and all of a sudden, someone that I had known for years starts calling me every week. <laughs> and I just wanted to go. I mean, the first time I was like, oh, that's nice. They saw me there. And then when I realized this is a weekly event and I'm part of a list, <laughs> I, I just wanted to scream into the phone, don't bother. Yeah. yeah. And and I've wondered if that is picked up cross-culturally because this was within the same culture. But I think it might be. I think it might be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that... Um you know, some of the pressure that I felt, I internalized, whether it was intentionally given or not, in living overseas was this pressure to um, to understand the culture, to understand the people, to know it would be offensive, to never do it, to forget that I'm American, to forget that I'm whatever, you know. You. Me. To lose my identity, and, and we call this... Um, incarnational ministry and it struck me after we talked the other day like we I hear that term used to say you can't be you 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 can't have limits you can't um yeah I don't know be human is what it feels like um and I thought the incarnation was Christ become flesh human taking on our human limitations and that's remarkable. And so it's um, there's a misunderstanding that has arisen when we start throwing that around as an answer to someone's limitations, saying they're not allowed to be limited or they're not allowed to be American or they're not allowed to be who they are, that I mean, somehow they have to deny that for effective ministry. I've definitely felt that, that the fact that I'm an introvert, I spent years trying to deny that yes, and not taking the time that I needed as an introvert. Right. And boy, did the people around me that were closest to me pay. Yes. In my irritability yes. and the, I think about some of the, the arguments that David and I had over scheduling. Yes. And it, as we look back, we became older and started learning more. It was about my limitation as an introvert and how I really felt like it wasn't spiritual. Yeah. I wasn't allowed. Right. Because exactly. it didn't go along. What is what is lasting people in the Word of God? So if it's not that gospel conversation, mm -hmm. if it's not even pursuing a relationship so that the gospel conversation can take place, mm -hmm. then, you know, what are we here for? To go to the park? Right. Do, did we move halfway around the world to go to the park? Right. And, and those kinds of thoughts came into my head. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've been that exact place <laughs> for sure. So what are some of the areas that you feel like we under-spiritualize? Well, I, I think that introversion is a great example. Um, we don't... We, we see it as a flaw. Mm-hmm. And it is a limit in some ways. Yeah. But what's wrong with being limited? We see a problem with being limited all the time. We see it as a flaw instead of just accepting it and operating within the limitations that we've been given. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, something like introversion, 
um, any, any form of rest, you know, I'm tired and I need a nap. I, I remember hearing, um, years ago, my mom was telling me, I think it, maybe it was Dan Allender. I don't remember somebody she liked to read that said, sometimes when you're tired, the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. And that really struck me. And I've spent a lot of time thinking, why why would you say it's a spiritual thing to do? I think it's because it's an act of trust. It's an act of rest in the Lord, not just physical rest. It's Mm -hmm. saying, you know what? You're in control. You're big enough to handle this. So I can take a nap when I need it. Yes, we can. We can, but we don't always feel like we can. No, no. Yeah, I was trying to think about all the different areas um, even just spending time relaxing, watching a movie with our kids mm-hmm. and not inviting anyone to join us. Right. Family night. Right. Is that a waste of, of time? Right. You didn't even invite the single missionary that didn't have a family there to be with? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's... All kinds of things. We actually had someone say to us, we used to work with a youth group, and we had someone um, tell us that they thought it was, because we did speak the language where we lived, that it was a waste of our time. We should be doing stuff within the language, not doing stuff with the missionary kids. Oh, no. And we were like, no, this is probably the most valuable thing we're doing, Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that brings up a really good point, which is to... Um, and I may be getting ahead of myself here, but kind of to recognize, um, to have confidence and know within ourselves what God is calling us to do and being at peace with that because um, it's not just internal. We have this internal pressure that we put on ourselves, but it comes from outside also. And I think particularly in a missionary community where... um, takes a lot of determined, strong-willed people to live overseas long-term and very usually very opinionated, and, and that can be a strength. Yes. Um, and that's good, but it can, it can be a problem, and it often means that you have a lot of people with strong opinions about how you should spend your time and what is valuable for you to be doing, and you have to be confident enough to graciously reject that. And say, you know, I know what I'm called to do. I but it's hard when you don't have, it's a small community. It is. And you don't have outside input. It's easier here, I find. Yeah. Because I have outside input, people who are um, working secular jobs or working in a different area. Mm-hmm. And they help me find the balance. Like, that's not reasonable. Right. But when we were overseas, that wasn't always the case. Yes, that's a really good point. Yeah, and with teams, it can also be, you can be in a place where you are required right. to submit to those things and yeah. to, to keep your job, right? essentially. Right. Yeah, what do you, you're kind of touching on the roots of this. Like, why do we do this? Why do we under-spiritualize our humanity and our needs and our limitations? I think, like we were talking about, I think it's pride and um, a sense of 
self-importance. Can you explain that a little more? If you are, why, why can't you take a break? Why can't you let up for a minute? You're so important to this work, to this task, that if you take a break for a second, it ruins it all. Everything falls apart. It can't go on without you. Um, Which is really an affront to the, that this is God's work. Right. That he's doing it. It's his work. Right. We can leave it to him to take a break. Yeah. You know, shortly after we moved back to the States, I was grieving deeply. And I was journaling and just lashing out in my heart against all the things I felt like made us come back. And a lot, mostly it was at my own limitations. I thought, I'm not enough to handle X, Y, Z and all the things together. And if I could just be yeah, more extroverted, if I could just have more energy, if I could just not care what other people think as much, if I could, you know, just have this whole list. And I was writing this all out and I realized, oh, what I'm saying is if I was God, wow, if I didn't have any of these limits, if I was perfect, if I was God mm-hmm. and it was, it was right at Christmas, I think it was Christmas day, we were visiting my in-laws and I remember thinking, th- seeing that in light of the incarnation, the word become flesh, taking on our human limitations, not considering equality with God, something to be grasped. And I mm. was just floored. I was so humbled. Yeah, it's really good to to think of it that way because I I feel like in the missionary community there can be this relentlessness about change and be different. Mm-hmm. If you would do this, if you would acculturate in this way, mm-hmm. then the the gospel and people's eternity would be affected. Mm-hmm. So it it. Right really is no we're we're not god i mean we want to acculturate as mm-hmm. much as we can oh, so sure. people feel comfortable we don't want them to stumble over things other than the gospel right but they're people too right and and it's um i feel like we have this sense of if i um say no to any invitation if i make this cultural faux pas because I didn't study and understand well enough. If I, you know, there's, there's the long list. Mm-hmm. Then I am keeping someone from coming to Christ. That makes you really big and God really small. It does. It's terrifying. It is. It, it's horrifying. And you, you, and then at least for me, my response is to feel paralyzed. I'm afraid. Oh, to I'm, I'm going to go hide under a rock. Right. Certainly not going to try. No. To, to step out and do something Anything. or say something. Right. Because it might be wrong. And we get, you know, I think about our time of preparing to go overseas and all this training and you're so hyped up and everybody, you know, there's these great thoughts of studying what's happened before and understanding where mistakes were made. We don't want to make those mistakes and we want to be better and we want to learn. We've got our great strategies and you just launch with this 
intention to do this great work and to be so perfect and Mm -hmm. just have the best strategy and not make those mistakes. That's, it's really hard to operate. Then you get there very long. Right. Right. And your limitations and your humanity pops up. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to hide from people who sent you. (laughs) You have to hide from your teammates, the real you. Right. And so you become alone operating in this or as a family alone. Right. And and when you get to the point where you say, I remember getting to a point where we said, this is not sustainable. We will not last if we are not reasonable about what we can do, about what our children need. And it's not just meeting those physical needs. It's the, it's the deeper connection. And if we are in such turmoil and angst and under so much pressure constantly, we just can't connect mm-hmm. deeply. And so we miss that. And um, we didn't feel like we were allowed to make those changes and to operate in that way. Um, and stay there. And stay. So make sustainable, make changes towards sustainability. Right. Building in rest, building in family, right. not having to justify a family night or right. a weekend getaway or something. Yeah. Yeah. So you weren't allowed to do that. And then... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've learned a lot in the last couple of years since moving back. And um, I think partly there was just... Um, we did some counseling and trying to figure out... I mean, we talked to you and David and others and and even met with a counselor trying to figure out um, like what can we do to be healthy as a family in this context. And um, I remember talking to this counselor and saying, you know, here's what, here's what we've tried so far. And she said, well, it sounds like you've done a good job setting up some boundaries. And I said, but it's tearing me up inside. I feel like a terrible person. I, I don't have any peace about it. I'm just a mess. And she said, she made this distinction between external boundaries and internal boundaries. She said, you've set these external boundaries, but you don't have the internal boundaries to be okay with your external boundaries and not feel guilty and not feel... So um, I think that's uh, just a emotional health issue. And I think it's possible to... And preferable <laughs> yeah. to be at that place where you can be... Um, you know, you give up that pipe dream of making everybody happy and approve. And you feel settled with what you are called to with your spouse, if you're married, and your family before the Lord, and you choose to do that, and and maybe there's some people, maybe there's a lot of people that aren't really happy with that, but you're okay inside even though they're not happy with that. I wasn't at that place. I wasn't okay inside. Um, I think it's possible to be, and I think it's, um, especially if you reach out for support from yeah, people that can let's this is such a big subject i want to continue this in our next podcast so will you join me for our next podcast i would love to okay
Thanks for listening today. Feel free to email us with your questions to david at esionline.org. It's always encouraging to hear from our listeners how God is using this podcast. Our ministry is called Equipping Servants International, which exists to equip churches, organizations, and individuals to reach the nations both at home and abroad. Our desire is to see people better equipped when they leave, be able to thrive and be effective on the field, and transition back home well. Our book is called Mission Smart, 15 Critical Questions to Ask Before Launching Overseas, and it's available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. Remember to subscribe to our podcast to get more episodes as they're published.